Hello, and welcome to Compass Church. If you have any questions about this message or are interested in learning more, please contact us. We'd love the opportunity to connect. Now, enjoy today's message. Well, I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're picking up with uh, verse 13, and as a reminder, we are um, entering into the part of the book of First Peter that is giving us specific instructions about our behavior, our response, mainly in front of the culture around us, the world around us, and that this is a big issue for Peter because for Peter writing to the churches that are located in the area of Turkey, writing to the churches that are mainly Gentile, they are experiencing some harassment, some difficulty, some uh, economic pressures uh, because of being believers. And there's a, a greater divide between uh, Judaism and Christianity, and there is greater animosity growing in terms of Gentile Christians and their uh, kind of perceived connection with Judaism. And all of these things are giving rise to uh, great pressures on the church to be faithful, to hang on to the, the gospel that has been presented to them. And as we looked, uh, the division, of the, the change uh, took place at verse 11 in chapter 2. And last week we looked at verse 11 and 12 kind of a heading for the new section of Peter. Verse 11 and 12 really emphasizing abstaining from sinful desires that war against us. Be holy and change your patterns of behaviors in terms of your your conduct and yourself and your personal holiness and following the Lord and obeying him and and not living a life of sin before him. And then, coupled with that, live good lives. Live in a way that represents that truth. That Jesus is alive. That he is our Lord and Savior. That he is the one worth living for. And that he is at the center of who we are. And because of our good behavior, we'll shine a light to the truth of the gospel. They will see your good deeds and glorify God. There is a sense in which there will be a recognition of the truth of what we do. In the day he visits us. Now that could be in the day that people realize that Jesus is Lord. The day that they come to salvation. The day that he visits them. Or it could be in the day that he comes and splits the sky and the kingdom of Christ comes in all glory. It could be either of those. So, recognizing that we are believers trusting in Christ and that we live on the basis of what Christ has done for us, how are we to behave? And it is challenging to say that the New Testament at points in the scriptures are written to a specific situation. And that that specific situation needs to be understood 
and it may not easily be directly applicable to our lives. There's a sense in which in this passage, in this text, there's a little bit of that. We have to be careful when making those decisions. And we have to look at the text closely and see if it's justified. But in this text, I think that Peter, given the situation that he's writing to, to these churches who are struggling, who are almost on the verge of having the governmental systems, the city systems turn against them, that Peter is giving instruction to them as to how to live as citizens of, the, of, of Christ, citizens of God's kingdom in the world. The, the kingdom of the world. So you might recognize that distinction from St. Augustine's city of God, the city of God and the city of man. And one of the big struggles and difficulties we have as believers is trying to figure out and, and live in the context of the city of God, recognizing all that God calls us to do and be and, and live for, while at the same time knowing that we have our feet also in the city of Maine. We have to deal with the structures around us, the, the culture and the, the living situations. And, and so Peter is trying to give instruction and help to these believers while they have a foot in both camps and while we have a foot in both camps. So as we look at this, we must recognize that he is going to talk about three situations where there is to be submission. Submission is the main idea. But that submission is first to human authority, governmental structures. Then submission is to masters. As slaves. And you can see we have some work to do in understanding some of that. Then in chapter 3, verses 1 through 7, it is wives to husbands and husbands, how they are to treat their wives. And so as we look at this, we have to recognize that there is this context. The commands that are given here are, are tempered by a desire to protect the church, to help them live in this situation of one foot in one world and one foot in the other. And we see this because Peter is talking to people who are the offended ones. Let me see if I can help us see that. So let's read our passage. Verses 13 through 25. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. 
Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate when he suffered. He made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might be Uh, We might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have turned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. What we see here is three lessons. First is the crucial principle for us in every situation. And that is submit. And in each context, we will see the word submit. Verse 13, we see submit yourselves to the ruling authorities. In verse 18, submit yourselves to your masters. And then in chapter 3, which we'll do next week, submit your wives, submit yourselves. Submit is the dominant idea here in all of these passages, in all of these situations. So when it comes to submitting, we, we must tie it to what we learned in verse 11 and 12. We learned to not fulfill fleshly desires which war against our soul, but to do good. And the doing good, in some sense, is a submission. But is it a submission absolutely to the government? Is it a submission absolutely to a master if we were a slave? Is it submission absolutely if we're a wife to our husband? I would say no. I think that what we see here is first submission in the highest order is to God. And we see this over and over in this passage. As we glance at the references to submission... We see that this is a relationship that Peter is talking about. And it's a relationship that we have. And that our submission should be given even when we're mistreated. As the master to the, the slave to the master. So what is this submission? What is involved? What's interesting and why I say this is kind of directed to a specific group 
is because all of the other house, this, this, this kind of instruction as to how we are to relate to one another is called a household code. And we find those in Ephesians and we find those in Colossians. There, and in Second uh, Peter, there's some. There's these household codes telling us how we are to live in relationship with one another. But what's interesting in this passage is we don't have the reciprocal obligations described. So we have honor the government, honor the, ru- the rulers in authority, but we don't have any instruction to the rulers in authority as to how they should act. We have slaves, honor your masters, but we don't have any reciprocal relationship or commands to masters to treat their slaves in a certain way. And same with husbands and wife. You'll notice if we look, if you look at chapter 3, there's a large section to the wives and just a small section to the husbands. And that's not because the husbands get it and the wives need a little more instruction. It is more that this shows us something of the character of the church that Peter's writing to. What is actually revealed is that it that there is this danger of getting the church in conflict with the ruling authorities. And so he's giving instruction for that particular situation to be careful to honor those ruling authorities so that conflict and danger doesn't intensify. Then in Slaves to Masters, he speaks to the slave, not to the master. And this kind of indicates that probably the church was made up more of slaves than masters. There may not have even been masters in the church. And so Peter's talking to them in that specific location. And the dominance of instruction, the prominence of instruction given to wives, probably indicates that there were more women in the church And maybe their husbands didn't come very often. And so we can say that there are some situations that Peter's writing to that governs this. And so we should factor that in in our understanding. And Peter's interested in protecting the church in this context. But there is a dominant theme in this idea of submission. The dominant theme, of course, is that Peter recognizes that there is a ruling authority, that there is God-ordained authority given to us as believers, that there are relationships to slaves and masters I would take for our day to equate to employers and employees. And we'll talk a little bit more about that. But our relationship, notice in, let's just take the submission to the government. Verses 13 through 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake. Peter is not giving a blanket submission to the government just because he wants to prop up the government or strengthen the government. All of this pass, all of these passages from verse 13 into chapter 3, verse 7 are dripping with submission, 
But not submission to the order of society. Not submission just to make peace. Not just to get along. Not to satisfy us. But submission to the highest authority under which we must live our lives. Submission to God for the Lord's sake. Whether to the emperor or the supreme who are sent by him, that is God, to punish the right and to do the Verse 15, for it is God's will that by doing good we should silence it. It is God's will. What's the highest obligation? Who should we be submitting to in this context of honoring and submitting to the government? It is the Lord's sake. It is about God's will. And then 16, live as free people, but don't use your uh, freedom to cover up evil. But live as God's slaves. Who are we submitting to? So Peter's passage here is dripping with submission. Submission to government authorities. And it is uh, quite a pill to swallow that Peter is writing this from Rome in prison when Nero is the emperor. Nero, ruling, what, uh, 54 to 63. Nero, the one who blamed the Christians for the fire in Rome and executed thousands of them. Peter himself dies under Nero. But Peter recognizes that we as believers have a fundamental submission to the kingdom of Christ. And that that is preeminent in our connection and our love and our our longing for, our celebration of political leaders, political parties, people who we think should be running the government. Our submission to God is first. And regardless of political party and who's running the thing and our connection with politics, there is a submission to God that calls forth from us an honoring and a respecting of those who are in politics and government positions from our city government all the way to our national government recognizing that the institution of the government the establishment of the government was done by God to reward the good and punish the evil and we might argue about whether they're doing a good job or not but that is their God ordained purpose and God calls for us as believers to honor and respect them in that role. And Peter was willing to say, honor the emperor, who was Nero himself. As bad as presidents could have been and might be in our thinking throughout the history of America, there has not been a president as bad as Nero. And yet we are commanded by Peter to honor them. Not to submit to them, not to necessarily like everything, but to respect and show submission to them in that authority, in that role. Because of our highest submission, which is to God. Because we are His people. And our hope is never attached 
to a ruler or an emperor. So we can honor the ruler and emperor because we know who really rules. Who's really the authority. And we're called as believers, as representatives of Christ, to be in that kind of submission relationship to our governmental authorities and rulers so that we would demonstrate the reality of Christ. That our hope is not built on us being happy and us getting our rights met and us getting our, our desires and our longings satisfied. Our hope is in Christ's kingdom first. And Peter can only say that when Nero's the emperor. Because he's not putting any stock in who he is and what his living circumstances are about but about the structure of the government and God's ordained purpose and rule of the government. And given their authority under God's authority, he will honor and respect them. In the same way, we must do that as well. Verse 17 kind of encapsulates the whole thing. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. So we must learn of these special contexts of submission. This submission flows into specific situations, such as our relationship to the government. It also flows into specific situations, such as our relationships with our employers. And I use employee and employer as terms that relate to slave and master and this takes a little bit of explanation because the slave and the master is a different kind of slavery and being a master than what we have known has happened in America especially in the southern states when we were bringing Africans over and selling them as property on the markets and they were becoming our property or people's property. Uh, This was a travesty and a sin and a scar on our country. But that kind of slavery always comes into our minds as Americans. But in the first century, there was a different kind of slave and master. There was the slavery that was not forever. You could always, it was an economic system. When you were a slave in the first century, you could enter into slavery. And it was not forever you could always work your way out of slavery somebody didn't own you as quite as intensely as they did in american slavery many times there were people that entered into being a slave to a particular master as an economic advantage in the first century there are some cases that we found in the first century where slaves actually owned other slaves Because they had economic status being attached to their master that they could, they were pretty well off themselves and they could own slaves themselves. So it's a different kind of thing. It's not quite the employee-employer 
because we have a lot more protections and freedoms than even the slaves in the first century. Because slaves in the first century could be mistreated and they had really no recourse. If they ran away, they could be severely mistreated and lose their life. So it's not an absolute correspondence. But the principles here should give us some instruction. Such as when Peter says, slaves submit, it's the same idea as to the government. We should submit to the structures of our environment, of this world, in the kingdom of man. But always recognizing that we are people of the kingdom of God. And that right now we have a foot in both camps and therefore we must interact with the structures of the kingdom of man in a God-honoring way. Recognizing that we are primarily from the kingdom of God. And we live in the kingdom of God. And therefore Peter would even say to the slaves who have been mistreated, you submit to your masters. And why is that important? It's important because we recognize that life is not about our rights, our pleasures, our happiness. Life is primarily about honoring God and representing His kingdom, which is to be our hope in every situation in which we live. And when we have a hope in the kingdom of Christ as the ultimate hope in our lives it will shape how we live in this kingdom and it's a violation to live just like the world in the kingdom of this world seeking our rights our obligate our responsibilities our privileges our pleasures our happinesses living just like the world when in actuality we're also part of the kingdom of God and it has no impact so Peter is saying Recognize who you are as a believer in Christ. And then, by your actions, by your attitudes, proclaim whose you are. Who you are and whose you are must be seen in the relationships that we have in the world around us. So I think about this. I think we have this submission to those over us in our workplaces we're talking about did I hit we must learn the special context for this submission crucial principle of submission and the context we'll talk about the marriage context next week but lastly what we want to see is that Peter gives us the most profound example we must focus on the supreme model of our submission. So in this context of authority to uh, under the government and in this context of authority under our employer employee in that relationship we must see the model of Jesus. The model of Jesus is is plainly laid out here by Peter. Look at verses 21 through 25 again. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his footsteps. And this is really a high call because we're kind of comfortable hearing this word. 
follow Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus. Is that costing us a great deal? But for these listeners, these that received this letter, they are being unjustly punished by masters. And they're to submit. They're living under Nero. And facing confiscation of their properties. And, uh, you know, being hardships in their businesses because they're trusting in Christ. And Peter's saying, stand up under it. Submit to these circumstances. And entrust your life to God and His kingdom. And the prime example of this standing in uh, violation and pain and suffering for what is right and true is Jesus Himself. 21 again. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. It's in the context of suffering that we submit the most. Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in His steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in His mouth. When they hurled insults at Him, He did not retaliate. When He suffered, He made no threats. Instead, He entrusted Himself to Him who judges justly. This context of submission is entrust yourself to him who judges justly in every difficult situation whether it's in relation to the government or to employer employee a neighbor a friend a family member entrust yourself to him who just uh, judges justly he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness The call of the gospel is to live for righteousness. That's why Christ came. To forgive us of our sins. To establish us in the kingdom of Christ. So that we might live to righteousness. And the living to righteousness must be seen. Must be demonstrated in how we respond to governing authorities. How we respond to the people that we are in relationship with. Employer, employee. And we'll see how how we should respond in our marriage relationship. For righteous, by his wounds you have been healed. For you were sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. This passage sounds like submission to the government, submission to your masters or your employers, submission in the marriage relationship, but actually, It's submission to God. Actually, it's recognizing that God has purchased you. He has done the work of salvation. He has cleansed us. He has made us His people. And because of that, we live for Him. In the situations of this world, in the context that we find ourselves, even in the most difficult and trying situations where we suffer in this world, We must remember, our feet are planted in the kingdom of Christ. And our call is to represent Him. Therefore, in our day, when there is so much animosity and 
anger and vitriol communicated about political systems and political parties and political leaders, we should stand in a different place. We should not enter into those kinds of conversations. We can certainly look to hear what is the real complaint and we can show compassion and concern and understand the violations people are going through. But we do not have to enter into animosity, anger, and hatred towards political parties when we're called to be a representative of the kingdom of Christ in those contexts. When we're in an employee-employer situation and we feel violated, we feel we're not listened to, and maybe we're even receiving false accusations from our employer. The Christian must submit to God first in that situation therefore we will honor and respect even while we are being violated even while we are being mistreated and even while we are suffering in that situation because our highest call is to the kingdom of christ so peter's saying submit to god follow the example of christ In our day, we have the privilege of quitting the job. Go find another one. There's nothing wrong with that. But don't tear up the place you are leaving from. Don't take the opportunity to hurt because you've been hurt. Take the opportunity to represent Christ in the circumstances of this world. Because our allegiance must be seen to be devoted to Christ alone. And there's nothing that should call forth from us that kind of response more than verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God and honor the emperor. My prayer and hope is that we will be a display of Christ's kingdom in the world. By the way, we respond in the situations that we find ourselves in the world. Let's follow Christ. Let's be his people first. Let's pray. Lord, you are gracious to us. And even the the benefit of reading your word is a a gift, a grace to us. Because without your direction, without your instruction, we would be lost on our own. Lord, we thank you that you speak to us. And Lord, we also thank you that you empower us with your Holy Spirit. You lay on our hearts the truth and the reality of your word. And it is our prayer that we would be people shaped by the kingdom of Christ. His glory, His rule, His reign is supreme, must be supreme, and will be seen to be supreme throughout eternity. And we pray that in every situation in our lives, no matter how difficult the circumstances will be, that we will honor Him and submit to Him and be representatives of His kingdom every moment and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.